Inside Sources. Inside Sources. America's voice of reason. Boyd Matheson on Utah's home for elevated conversation. Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. Really pleased to have joining us for a, an amazing conversation about uh, something that we haven't thought a lot about for a while, and now suddenly it's in the, the middle of the middle of things in the Middle East, and uh, really pleased to have joining us Ray uh, Take, Senior Fellow for Middle East Studies at the Council for Foreign Relations, and his specialization area is Iran, U.S. foreign policy, and the modern Middle East. And Ray, we really appreciate you carving out some time. We all saw the news break rolling into the weekend with Saudi Arabia, Iran, uh, restoring relations and I think the surprise for everybody, the think again moment for everybody, was the deal was brokered by China. Give us a little bit of the the backstory as we begin. Well, China is one of the few of the great powers, if not the only great power, that has good relations with all the antagonists in the Middle East, particularly with the Saudi Arabia and Iran. It is the largest investor in Saudi Arabia, and obviously it is partnered with Iran on a range of security and economic issues. It is a major purchaser of the Iranian oil. Uh, So for the Chinese, I think this makes a lot of sense because they can essentially establish their role as a power that can mediate disputes beyond East Asia. And it has deepened its ties to both Saudi Arabia and Iran, which are important for petroleum sales and and its oil consumption. Yeah. For the Saudis, it's important because, you know, they, they can finally get Iranians to stop hassling them, perhaps. And for Iranians, it's important because they can es- pretend to escape their international isolation by essentially brokering an agreement with Saudi Arabia at the time when the Gulf Arab states were thought to be realigning their relationships in the Middle East and coming closer to the state of Israel. So it's kind of a win-win for all those three powers. Yeah, so interesting uh, how that all comes together. And I wanted to get your perspective. Uh, get a lot of people, I think, were caught a little flat-footed on, on this, but it, it clearly shows uh, the rise of Beijing's influence in the region. Of course, the U.S. Has, has been kind of the dominant power broker there for a long time. Uh, so what are the signals that are coming out of that, and uh, what, should we, what should we glean from that? Well, China has been a major player in the Middle East in terms of its economic footprint. Mm. It, it has been a major investor in Iraq. Uh, it is the major investor in Saudi Arabia. Uh, it signed a 25-year agreement where if it goes through, it would essentially have a footprint in all aspects of Iranian industry, telecommunication, construction, computer technology, oil sales. So it's been very active in terms of commercial ventures in the Middle East. And now it is marrying that commercial muscle with diplomatic initiatives, sort of like you know, United States was a great economic power in early 20th century before it became a great superpower. Uh, and you be, kind of see the similar things happening where the Chinese are beginning to translate their economic muscle into diplomatic outreach to these countries. And this deal that they brokered, whether it sticks or not, remains to be seen. But from their perspective, it stabilizes their relationship with the two Gulf giants, both Iran and Saudi Arabia, both of whom are important for its oil requirements. Yeah, and you had pointed out uh, that uh, China clearly wanted to flex and say, hey, we're not just an energy consumer uh, from this region, but that we also are investing in these other areas. Uh, and as you said, flexing that muscle uh both financially, economically, as well as on the diplomatic front. Uh, give us a sense of what does that mean for U.S. policy uh, in, and influence in the region? 
Well, since the collapse of the Cold War, uh, since the end of the Cold War and the collapse of the Soviet Union, the regional powers can't really play off great powers against each other because those great powers didn't exist. And now Russian, the Russian Federation was obviously involved in the Syrian civil war, and its involvement was critical into survival of the Assad regime. But now suddenly these local states can once again try to play off great powers against each other. And this is particularly important for the Saudis who would try to leverage their relationship with China in order to gain security concessions and other things from the United States. It's less of an importance to Iran because Iran really can't play off the two sides against each other. It is pretty much committed to a relationship with the Eastern countries, in this particular case, Russia and China. But for the Saudis who have complained about American indifference to their security concerns, about American concerns, about their human rights abuses, this gives some additional leverage and suggesting that they do actually have options beyond reliance on the United States. So it's particularly important for them. Now, whether they can translate that leverage into concessions from the United States remains to be seen. But nevertheless, they can play that triangular game that we saw so many countries play during the Cold War when they played the United States and the Soviet Union against each other in order to gain leverage and influence. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another... Pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, that's fascinating. And uh, yeah, history, if it doesn't repeat itself, it definitely rhymes. And uh, this seems to be another uh, real clear indication of that. That's right. Yes. Yeah, that's right. And for the Iranians, the calculation is different because they essentially want to be part of a new access of resistance to the United States. Mm -hmm. And in their imagination, that access includes the Russian Federation, uh, obviously the Chinese government, and within the region, various other anti-Israeli and anti-American actors, Hezbollah, Hamas, and so on. So they're trying to create their own coalition within the region, but also a coalition outside the region. And the relationship with Russia has obviously advanced a great deal as Iran has become a participant in the war against Ukraine. And now you're beginning to see them trying to come closer to the Chinese as well. Uh, And so this for them, it's a kind of a different calculation. It's essentially trying to suggest that they're part of a new global realignment about countries that are resisting American sanctions and American interference in their internal affairs. Yeah. For the Saudis, obviously, it's more of a hedging strategy. Mm-hmm. For the Iranians, it's a more of an unequivocal expression of their new interest and alignment in this new relationship. Yeah, and what does that do in terms of the uh, the nuclear uh, program in nuclear pursuits there from Iran? Well, the nuclear program, if you recall, was not an arrangement between the United States and Iran. It was the so-called five plus one, the three European states, Britain, France, and Germany, the United States, uh, Russia, China, and of course, the one being Iran. Um, Well, that coalition is no longer really in existence. 
the Russians and the Chinese are unlikely to pressure Iran to make any form of concessions to the United States and revive the nuclear agreement. So it further deals uh, a blow to the agreement, which is all but dead anyways. Uh, but the sort of a, the, the notion of a five plus one pressuring Iran into some kind of a compliance with the nuclear accord, that has already largely evaporated with the war in Ukraine. But now you begin to see that further, further buried in terms of international diplomacy and efforts of uh, revival of the agreement. Yeah. And then final question for you before I let you go. Uh, we know a lot of the Arab countries had embraced ties with Israel in, in a large part for the intelligence sharing as it relates to Iran. Uh, how does this impact that? Uh, what are you watching for as things continue to move forward? Well, I suspect the the Iranians have asked that for those relationships to be tempered, if not severed. I don't believe the Saudis would do so. I think they want to keep their options as open as possible. So although they are warming ties with Iran, and then we'll see if this actually, uh, if this agreement actually produces anything. But at this particular point, that would certainly be an Iranian ask uh, in terms of limiting the scope of the Abrahamic Accords, if not reversing its gains. I don't see that being necessarily in the Saudi interest. I know why the Iranians would ask for it. I'm not quite sure why the Saudis would yield. But the Israelis, who essentially were thinking that the region is reviving around the axis of Sunni powers and the state of Israel, they would have to reconsider that because the Sunni Sunni pillar of that strategy doesn't seem to be very reliable. And frankly, it was never that reliable. Uh, But still, I I think the immediate intelligence sharing and that sort of a thing is likely to continue. But the Israelis are, once again, have to refocus their security concerns and recognize that, you know, in the region, they still very much stand alone and have to rely on their own deterrent power to ensure their safety and security. Uh, Great insight, uh, Ray Takes, the senior fellow for Middle Eastern Studies at the Council on Foreign Relations. Again, he specializes in Iran U.S. foreign policy, and the modern Middle East. Uh, this is a, uh, a complicated and complex web of allies, alliances, uh, and a lot of strategery going along. Uh, but, Ray, we appreciate you taking time today and helping us break down this uh, crucial set of uh, agreements and to see if they will actually hold moving forward with Saudi Arabia, Iran, and, of course, the deal being brokered by China. Uh, Ray, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. We'll step aside for a quick commercial break. When we come back, President Biden is sending a message to China by way of San Diego, Australia, and the UK. Find out what that's all about coming up next. Stay with us on KSL News Radio. We'll be right back.